Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 50, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. I am your host, Hugh Lloyd. Like I said, this is episode 50. Now, before we dive into the show, don't forget you can find us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And if you want to leave us a little something special on iTunes, maybe some five-star ratings, that would be very, very appreciated. Okay, now, before I introduce my special co-host, let's check out the trailer for 1991's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Same make. These were taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. I don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now his mission... Get down! ...is to protect it. Come with me if you want to live. You're really real. His loyalty is to a child. Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now. And his enemy... He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. ...is the deadliest machine ever built. Can it be destroyed? Unknown. This time, there are two. Terminator 2. You just can't go around killing people. Why? If you thought you had seen it all... Again. Stay down! Go! Now! We gotta stick together! Arnold Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This time, he's back. For good. Trust me. So, we are back for the second time due to the internet gods hating us. Hating us. And a aged boxer dog with what can only be (laughs) described as explosive diarrhea going off. In my recording area, um, yes, yes. I've said, and I, 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 I sent the photos. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. I did. I didn't. I don't know if I, I, you know, properly thanked you for the pictures of no. the um, of the shit adorned areas <laughs> and that, that was were being scrubbed. Up. That was that was being cleaned up. <laughs> Do you know? And I, I very rarely will I ever mention this film, or have like any know anybody else who's probably ever seen it. But the Eddie Murphy film Daddy Daycare. Never ever will I. Have I watched it? <laughs> have you seen the trailer where the little kid comes out and says, "I had an accident, 
And he goes, yeah, okay. And he opens the door and then suddenly he looks around and goes, oh, oh, oh. And then he looks on the ceiling and screams. Yeah, it, it, it was very reminiscent of that. So it wasn't reminiscent of um, the Stephen King adaption Dreamcatcher with the shit monster. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's probably like Weird Science with Bill Paxton. (laughs) 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 Fucking Dreamcore. Dreamcatcher's terrible film. Oh, Oh, my days. Terrible, terrible film. Yes, yes, it's not a great one. It's not a Lawrence, great one. Lawrence Castan did that, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. See, Weird. not not every yeah. single one's a hit, is it? No, no, you can't write Raiders of the Lost Ark or Empire Strikes Back all the time, can you? No, no. <laughs> anyway, right, we are here and we are talking Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Now, yes. I think it's fair to say we're both fans of this film. I think it's fair to say everybody's a fan of this film, aren't they? I don't think I've ever met anybody who does not like this film. Um, I've met people who prefer the first one, which I understand. Yeah. Um, for probably different reasons, aesthetically or otherwise. But, um, yeah, I think this is one of those pretty much universal, across the board everybody's got a favourite part or favourite sequence and you yeah. know, at least knows enough about it to be able to engage and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I've never met anybody say, well, i got to be honest, I prefer Terminator Salvation. Um, you'll probably never hear that. All the words, <laughs> I thought Terminator Genesis was good. <laughs> <laughs> I did, you know when you sort of see something and you just think, stop kicking him he's already dead it, it's that, 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 that's what it kind of felt that's that's what like the, the series is at for me at the moment yeah you know and there's this new one that has a return in linda hamilton which is due next year and arnie's coming back as well yeah and james cameron is involved um to some sort of extent um i think a lot of people are going to be reserved and Apprehensive, quite rightly apprehensive about it because you know it's a it's a bit of a strange one the Terminator franchise you know you you start what ultimately is a horror film yeah which evolves into arguably one of the greatest action films ever yeah I think which, I think that's a fair point and then it sort of dips slightly because Terminator Three isn't a classic by any means but it's a it's it's a good film and it, it's it does a job some, doesn't it. Yeah, it does. And I think the last 20 odd minutes were really, really good, in fairness. Really good. Yeah. Um, Terminator Salvation then is just extremely medical. Um, (laughs) And then Terminator Genesis is just dog shit. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a fair point. And I think, um, the other sort of thing about, um, Terminator Genesis is, it's just painful. It is just painful at times. Yeah, and I gotta be honest, I had to switch it off. I couldn't watch it all. It was that bad, and it sort of ended an awful lot that was done before it to sort of propel its own story. Yeah, but it's a case of no, 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 no. You know, you're selling in the memory, you're selling in the tra- the timeline. It stops, 
and that was that and then and dusted it's terrible yeah. It, yeah it's truly truly terrible truly terrible now here's the bit that still blows my mind terminator 2 was released in 1991 um one of those films bar um John Connor's friends, Mallet, <laughs> is, is the only is the only sort of indicator as to the t- the, the era of, of when it was filmed. Y- yes. Um, now, <laughs> now that Mallet belonged to television stalwart Danny Cooksey. <laughs> now Danny Cooksey, of course, appeared in Different Strokes. He played Sam. From 1984 to 1986. Did he? Yeah. He was one of, you know, he, he, I think he was essentially go-to cute ginger child for the 80s. <laughs> but, well, Along with Brian Bonesell of the 90s. You know, he was... Uh... <laughs> yeah. However, he, you know, in terms of like Arnold's friends, they res- they reserved all the bad shit uh, for Arnold's sort of uh, African American friend. Um, you know, when Arnold got kidnapped by a pedo, it was um, it was it was his uh, yeah when they got caught, uh, kidnapped by a bloke who owned the bike shop, um, and it was his poor mate that was left behind while Arnold escaped. Um, yeah, yeah, that was the one. That was the one. Um, oh, any, anyway, yeah, different strokes got dark at times. Really did I, get dark at times. I, I've got to be honest, um, I don't ever recall that episode of Different Strokes. No, you can't uh, remember that way. It fucking terrified me. I remember sort of catching up with it on Sky One when they replayed it. And it was like, Jesus. No, I distinctly don't remember that episode. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm glad I never did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back on track. So, looking at the numbers, Cure, I mean, they're fairly impressive numbers as well, aren't they? I mean, it's, uh, you know, this film, for its time, was one of the biggest budget movies for that period. And it kind of set the sort of... The, James Cameron really set his stall out, didn't he? They, yeah, yeah. And, you know, at least we forget, this is... This has got, as much as his Arnie's film, this is James Cameron, top to bottom, front to back. Yes. You know, ev- yeah. everything practically is as a result of James Cameron. Um, yes, special effects team did what they had to do. You know, your sandwiches that did what they had to do, but they ultimately, the man channeling everything about this film is James Cameron, front to back, yeah. top to bottom, all the rest. It's a hundred, $102 million budget yeah. in 1991 money. Um, yeah. And it took five hundred twenty-three point seven million at the box office. Yeah, that in nineteen ninety-one. That's in, that's insane. Yeah, it it, um, it was the biggest film of the year worldwide, wasn't it? Weirdly, it was the biggest film in America that year. Do you know what the biggest film in the UK for that year was? Oh come on, what was it? The Geographically incorrect adaptation of the legend of Robin of Loxley. Ah, Robin of Malibu. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, the, the White Cliffs of Dover, suddenly <laughs> to Hadrian's Wall, to the, you know, Sherwood Forest. I'm not know. being funny. Nottingham isn't that hard to find. 
Because <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you go from Dover and you end up at Hadrian's Wall, you fit, you know, and like... You've gone, you've gone slightly off you, of you. Yeah, know. you'd be having a word with Morgan Freeman because he's the one with the compass. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's... Um, you could talk about that film if you really want to, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you know, and I mean, again, we talk, we very mentioned, you know, the cast in this. Um, it's very, very interesting, actually, when you do look at the cast, because essentially, you know, this is, there's not a huge, I mean, there are hundreds of extras, and mm. there are some, you know, there are, um, Name, you know, there are some, you know, people who are sort of, you know, returning from the previous film and, you know, there's a few other, but essentially this is a four, you know, this is pretty much, a, you know, a, a three-hander really, or a four-hander where you've got, you've got Arnold, you've got Linda Hamilton, you've got Edward Furlong, and essentially they take up a vast majority of the, of the, of screen time. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, for a film that's <laughs> absolutely enormous in its production and, it's action sequences. You are quite right. You know, it sort of centers around those, those three protagonists and a bad guy, doesn't yeah, it? You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah, Robert you, you know, Patrick get, is, you know, is iconic. Iconic. Uh, it's, 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 it's quite funny, isn't it? Because a lot of people, you know, I'm pro- we're probably talking to people who already know this, but like in the original Terminator, Lance Henriksen was seriously considered for Arnie's role, wasn't yes, he? Yes. Yeah. So, it almost makes sense that in the sequel, when Cameron came around to write it, he was going to reverse the role of the bad Terminator being a good Terminator. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, you mean you mean a bad guy being a rather um, smaller chap, then you know, and, and yeah, a lithe gentleman, you know, yeah. and, you know, and obviously an athletic gentleman at that as well, you know, because the film ultimately is so physically demanding. Yeah. You know, albeit that you could say, oh, he's a walking special actor. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that in the films, unfortunately. And, you know, to have that yin and yang and ultimately um, your bad guy being the more up-to-date model. Yes. You know, it sort of just blew the concept wide open, didn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I viewed it described as sort of Arnold as the panzer and, um, you know, sort of... Um Robert Patrick is more of a Porsche, that sort of slim-lined, um, yeah. sort of yeah, as equally as deadly. Um, you know, and I mean, you know, that opening scene with a pair of them, you know, where they lock horns for the first time in the shopping mall. Yes. You know, and that you know the build-up to that whole sequence is incredible, yes. and then the following chase, but that yeah. moment where the pair of them are wrestling with the gun, yes. and they're slamming each other into the walls is just. It's crunching, isn't it? Because it's I've I've always said the same thing. That initial, um, as you say, the lock and the grab of the gun, and Arnie thinks, right, I'm going to throw him into the wall, and nothing happens. Yeah, and you know they they fast dead against each other, aren't they? Yeah, and Arnie does it. It does it very. Despite having sunglasses on, he 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 nods. He looks him up and down very quickly, doesn't he? It's Mm. very 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 quick, as if to go. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Wasn't expecting this. <laughs> um, abort. Mission abort. Yeah. yeah. Uh, run away. <laughs> run away. But you know, and again, you know, I think again, like in the first one, I think in the first Terminator, Arnold's performance is—he is just—he is terrifying in that first one. He is shark-like. There is not an ounce of 
you know, you, there's not an ounce of mercy in it. But then for this, you flip that completely on its head. And even mm. though there are moments where he is sort of, you know, he, he's clearly devoid of sort of humanity and those type of things. Um, there is that flicker at times of something go, far more going on behind, yes. uh, behind, behind the robot. There's yes. far more going on. And like that, that, and just that little moment where he does like that little turn of the head where he mm. sort of thinks, Oh, hang on. This isn't quite right. Is a great, you know, it's a great, great moment. And physically, yeah. okay, there are a few moments where you can clearly see where the stunt doubles take place, where they step yeah. in to take yeah. over. But I can quite happily live with that. Quite happily well, live with that. I think, I think everybody, you know, can see the join then, should we say. <laughs> but, yes. Um, you know, you, you sort of forgive it all simply because you, you, you're so swept away by the spectacle that you sort of, Look, look at that as just being um, a, a small issue. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. And going back again to the first one, you know, is, is there's no remorse is there with the first no, Terminator, no, no, nothing at, at all. all, you know. And yes, you do see it in the T one thousand, but the thing is, the offs, the, the off, the, the sort of playoff between the two, then knowing what the other is going to do, anticipating what the other one yeah. might do, and everything, you know, it just elev- everything is elevated slightly, isn't it? You know, yeah. and. And ultimately, yes, it is. It is telling the story of John Connor and this, you know, the, the attempt on John Connor's life. But it becomes that. Um, fa- uh, what's the word I'm looking well, for? It's a father, and it's almost like a father and son story in so many yeah, ways. It, it, it's a family story. Yeah, it? yeah, it's a family story. Yeah. So um, this is the, and this is the, this is the thing, and this is what it, it, it's. Um, <laughs> How can I, what's the right term for it? I always find myself, when I get these ideas, I can't articulate myself in the, in the correct terminology and I'm ever doing it. But it's not a nuclear family. That's, well, that's the wrong term. No, it's the, it's the idea of the sort of, you know, it, it's, in some, I think nuclear family is quite an interesting point considering, you know, it's all about a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> yes, yes, but actually, yes. this is about... Um, it's a surrogate, isn't it? It's, yeah, a surrogate it's the family. surrogate family. And it's yeah. the idea of, you know... It's never going to be perfect. No. The, you know, these characters have their own demons. I mean, John Connor has, has clearly, um, and I think Edward Furlong's performance in this, I think he sort of, he manages just about to try and sort of keep it online from sort of delving into that sort of child yeah. actor. Yeah. And I, I gotta be honest with you. Um, I don't know whether you are aware of this, but Edward Furlong had his personal issues before making the, the film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, was brought, he was brought up by um, other family members, and, you know, he lived with them. And when his fame exploded in, you know, in such a way that, you know, our, pro- our, pro- our probable um, points to look at in that respect is perhaps some of the kids from the Goonies. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Macaulay Culkin is the prime example, you know, Edward Furlong getting into that, you know, of our generation. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Corys, the two Corys, you know, one of them already for mention of the Goonies, um, you know, they sort of were thrust into the limelight at, you know, ridiculous ages, ultimately. Well, yeah, um, and I mean, if you think, if you think, if you, you know, if you take, for example, if you look at, you know, we put ourselves in Edward Furlong's shoes, um, yeah, you know, you make a obscene amount of money. Yes. You had everybody around you telling you how wonderful you are. Mm-hmm. 
and you can do what you like. Is it any wonder that, you know, people kind of go a little bit off the rails? Um, you can see why the trappings are so easy and, oh yeah. And, um, temptation is within everybody. I think it, it can take an awful lot of love, support and otherwise T- towards people's thrust in this position and it's often said about Hollywood that it doesn't prepare people enough for these positions when they do come available like these situations when they do become available isn't yeah. it yeah yeah there's an actor of the like this generation that I think do this sort of manage to sort of transcend not transcend it but still get the little roles you know and gradually make his way and he's still acting to this day and that's Elijah Wood now yeah, Elijah yeah. Wood is, is pretty much the same age isn't he as yes he is uh, yeah, Furlong and Macaulay Culkin and you know he was a child actor for, he was I think his first film was Back to Future 2 something yeah, like that perhaps. yeah and then you he know, did North and you know those type yeah. you know he, he, in fact he did that horror film didn't he with um, Macaulay Culkin um, the, the Good, good Son yeah The Good Son yeah nope yeah yeah The Good Son The Good Son that's a, yeah, um, you know, and so you know, they, 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 you know, they would have gone sort of. I'm not saying that Elijah Wood was in fucking Home Alone; he wasn't. But you know, there are actors who sort of have, if they've got the right, I don't want to say background because that's not fair on the families, but you know, the right sort of people around them. Yes, yeah, yeah, they do. You know, and, yeah. and without you know looking into what happens to people thereafter, you know, Edward Furlong's problems are well documented. Pet Cemetery 2, you know, there's enough to say, isn't there, you know? Hey, but, um, hey the, you know, I, the, even I, it, even Pet Cemetery 2 pushed me to my sort of limits, because that is not a great one. No, I I totally avoided it like the plague, if I'm honest, because I just thought, well, there's no need for it, but there we are. Hey, when's you know, that ever stopped Hollywood? Well, the latest rumour, well, rumours, is that they're, they're forever looking at the back catalogue, isn't it? And there's a number of ones that... Well... I, I'll, I'll be up in arms if they decide to remake Back to the Future, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that, that, that is, leave it alone. There are some it, things that are sacred. Yeah, you know, that just, that just lends itself to looking at stuff like The Godfather and, you know, nobody Look, wants I, that. i got to be honest with you, I will definitely be down for seeing a Mukji version of The Godfather. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine. Don't, you, you don't, could, don't you ever, <laughs> ever, ever say those words to me again. Yeah. Uwe Ball's remake of Lawrence of Arabia. No, that like <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of the smaller cast in this, we have, of course, returning from uh, the original is Earl Bowen. Yes, Doctor Silberman, who is just—he's amazing at playing the douche. He is just like the ultimate douche guy. <laughs> yeah, he gives it um, a lot of oh shit, really. <laughs> you know that yeah. the hang hang dog. He's a he's a classic hang dog, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, and the scene where Linda Hamilton breaks his arm with the nightstick. Yes, still turns my stomach. Yes, and then tells him the wrong number of bones that the human body has. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, mind you, under pressure, I think, you know, she's allowed to make a, off by a couple. And as I said, we can, we'll forgive the flaws. We yeah. forgive the flaws. <laughs> now, of course, then you've uh, got Joe Morton as Miles Dyson. 
Joe Morton of which film? Oh, you did this to me. Um, um, Speed. Yes, I'm glad you remembered. Speed. Yes. yes. He's, he's the beleaguered police captain who discovers that there's a massive gap in the freeway and informs everybody, you're all fucking fired. <laughs> While travelling 60 miles along a freeway on the back of a lorry. Yes. Yes. Um, now... This is, you know, the other person who pops up in this, who's, who's a great character actor, who's pretty much, who's been in loads, is Xander Berkeley, who plays Todd Voigt. Yeah. Um, and again, you've got another, um, Cameron, Malan- uh, Cameron alumni in Jeanette Goldstein. Indeed you do. Um, that, now that scene, that scene with Jeanette Goldstein as the, um, as the, the foster kid, my foster mother, yes. where, she, you know, where she's clearly been murdered and it's the T-1000. Um, it, it, at the time, it was what it, it was the most technically advanced, um, scenes ever shot. The combination of prosthetic and CGI for the first mm-hmm. time for it to be done was incredible. All for that moment for where she puts the blade hand through the milk carton, through his mouth through the back of his head and pins him. Now that is, you know, people look at that now, they, you know, and when you see it done on the screen, it is absolutely flawless. Flawless. Even to the point of the milk dripping down the blade. Yeah. Absolutely flawless. It's, you know, and the, it's, it's just an incredible, and I mean, of course, it won the Academy Award um, yeah. in 92 for visual effects, and rightly so, but that scene is just spectacular. Mm-hmm. And and really creepy. Yeah, because although you can sense there's something wrong, um, the ultimate act itself you don't see. No, you see the aftermath, no. but it, it, it's it's um, it's the shudunk noise. Yeah, 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 and um, it's so effective, isn't it? Because it shows then thereafter that when the blade is pulled up, she gives the little tilt of the head. Yeah, as per. Robert Patrick, yes. you know. Yes. Is, and, you know, it's just so exacting, isn't it? And it's so clinical. It, yeah. And it is clinical, ultimately, isn't it? You know, yeah. because ultimately it's, 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 it's a, it's an, it's an immediate and violent death. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating. And you've got Arnold on the so, other end of the phone and he's saying about, you know, uh, what's your dog's name? And then he mimics his voice and he asks about Fluffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, Fluffy's well, fine. Oh, well, you know, Wolf, Wolfie. Wolfie. Yeah. Wolfie. And it's like, oh, yeah. God, Wolfie's yeah. fucked. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> Talking about Jeanette Goldstein, mind we were saying she's an alumni of um, Cameron, of most famously out of everything I imagine is um, Aliens. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, as the as the gun toting um, space marine. Yes, you know, whose name escapes me at this very moment. Um, oh, um, oh! If only there Marquez? was Marquez. Um, Marquez. Oh no. Vasquez, 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 yeah, Vasquez. But, I, I got to uh, be honest, her doing pull-ups is is just mind blowing. Yeah, that is a what is you know that is. What's the, what's the infamous line? Oh, has anybody? Hey, Vasquez. Yeah, has anybody, have you ever been? Have you ever been uh, mistaken for a man? No, why have you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's also in. Um, she's also in Near Dark as well. Yes, yeah, she is, and she's superb in Near Dark. Directed by, um, oh, um, Hurt Locker, um, 
Point Break. Point Break. Oh, God. Zero, Zero Dark Thirty. Yes. I love Zero Dark Thirty, by the way. It is a great, great film. I oh. actually know somebody, I know somebody who was an extra in Zero Dark Thirty. Really? Yeah. Ah. Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow. Yes. Who is James Cameron's ex-wife. He does that a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> he guess about. Yeah, yeah. Going back to going, going back to Zero Dark Thirty, I'll speak to you off air about, uh, about ah, that. Right. No, I'm, and I mean the other great Kathleen Bigelow film is Blue Steel. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, brilliant. Film. Yeah, really underrated. Really, brilliant. really brilliant underrated. No, Near Dark. Have you have you seen Near Dark? Yes, I've seen. Near yes, Dark. we've got I'm, to cover that. Seen I haven't seen it for a long, long time, but I have seen it. I loved it when I watched it. I've got it, it on really. Blu-ray year. We got to, we're going to have to cover that um, in the new year because it is one of my all-time favourites. And I think it's one of the best vampire films made. I do think it's one of the best vampire films out there. I think it and doesn't get as much love as it should. You had me at Bill Paxton as a yeah. vampire. Yeah. You? So this, I mean, we're talking about sort of some of the, the effects and, you know, some of these... The one scene that always strikes me is the the nuclear holocaust scenes in this. Well, yeah, to sort of, not to counter that then, but if we're going to talk about the the nuclear sequences, I think it's only right that we actually talk about the opening credit sequence because it shows modern day LA, which it is ultimately modern day LA. Yeah, yeah. And then it cuts... To the aftermath in it, it, it the, the, the war of the machines. Then. Yeah, it's a great. It, it, yeah, the cut is called a sma- the, the cut that they used is called a smash cut. Yeah, um, and it's really, really impactful because it does because yeah. you get that metallic foot. Yeah, that comes on that goes yeah. boom, and, yeah. and, and you're yeah. there, and you you're in that world. It. Um, I, 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 I. This was the first fifteen certificate I saw in the cinema when it actually came out, and. The cinema was really quite full as well, and literally the film starts, and then it cuts then to that barren wasteland, and you can see the cars. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That skull comes on screen, and the next thing you know, that foot came down, and I shit you not, the sound system in that cinema, everybody literally jumped at the same time, because it was like, oh my God, and as soon as it panned back to that Terminator, and things going on behind it, you thought... Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is it. And then that title sequence with the f- the, the fantastic uh, Brad Fidel score is it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It is a great, and I mean, it again. It is what it is an iconic score of cinema. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. It, ho- it holds up there with uh, with Star Wars, with Back to the Future, with um, you know, with Indiana Robo- Jones, with Bond, Robocop, Robocop. Yeah. It's that sort of. It's that. It's instantly recognisable, and it's it, it's unusual. And then it's an electronic score, isn't it? It's, it's not. It's not. It's not a symphony. There's no violins. No. It's all. It's all keyboard. keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great. Place. Yeah, it's a great, great, great synth score where you get that. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and, and if you think about the. the um, the action, action sequences, it sounds like it's violins going over. It's not violins. No, 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 no. But um, I, I often wonder how that would sound with a traditional um, orchestra. Can you imagine that? What that would sound like? Would it, would it take something away from the I film? I think it might take something away from it because I think that sort of, that synthy, 
industrial field, industrial kind of sound to it i mean i don't don't get me wrong i'm sure that you know there are many orchestras out there that would say that you know that that they would be able to reproduce that but there is something about that sort of non-organic sound to a yeah, film it, that is you know essentially about non-organic creatures yeah you, you just you just took the words out of my mouth to be honest with you you need that clinical don't you that um you yeah know, they're not the, that you've done the slightly wrong note touched or you know yeah or this or slightly the beat you need that electronica then for, yeah for, yeah. For one that, yeah you know it is that and it adds to the whole feel of it yeah, the whole yeah. feel of the of the film, and it just gives it that sort of like, you know that it's it's slightly futuristic, but you, you it's not sort of Vangelis. No, no, and I think there's an. I personally think, as much as I like the music of Vangelis, I find Vangelis's music is quite romantic somewhat, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas this is this is a little bit more. I don't know. This is cold, hard blue steel. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. I don't mean like in the Zoolander arena, but I mean like you know, the, everything is electronic and digital, yeah. and it is here. You know? Yeah. Um, I must quickly mention uh, with whilst we're talking about the music and all the rest the teaser trailer that preceded the film yeah yeah the um it came out a year before um two two and a half minutes long i think you know it's not even that i don't know no, it wasn't yeah yeah there was a two minute um teaser trailer released the year before um basically all it was it was a production line of terminators being built Yes, um, and it was the text saying in 1984, um, uh, T800 uh, was sent back in time to kill Sarah Connor, prevent the sun, blah 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 blah. And the final shot then was the reveal of Arnie being out, coming out to the production line, turning yes. around, opening his eyes, red terminated eyes, the steel shut down T2, yeah, Judgment Day, um, summer 1991. That trailer. Cost quarter of a million dollars to make <laughs> in, in 1990, yes. which is ridiculous. Yeah, you know when you think about it. But it didn't say it didn't it didn't show you any. None of that footage is in the in Terminator Two. Yes. None of it. Purposely, and it's quite common now that films have shots in the trailers that ultimately don't end up in the film. That's another podcast entirely. We've yeah. done it before. We talked about it before. However, yes. we can we can all refer to certain films and the sh- the money. What may be a money shot ultimately doesn't turn up. Classic. Most one of the most recent ones is um, Infinity War, where that shot at the end, where you see all the Avengers running through Wakanda, yeah, on something, and there's Hulk there, and there's so and so there. They ain't done that fucking fight to the yeah. end. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway. Well, I mean, and that's, that is something as well, which I think, I think the trailer for this as well generated so much buzz yeah, because yeah. it doesn't give you anything, nope, but it gives you enough. Whereas I think a lot of tra- trailers today, you sit there and go, well, I've seen the film. Yeah. There's been, um, well, it has been a really rather, um, big film of late that's basically everything is in the tra- Jurassic World. Yeah, the yeah, Jurassic yeah. World. I haven't seen it myself personally, but apparently the many shots are all in the trailer. Yeah, even even the final shot of the film is in the trailer. Apparently, which yeah. 
I, I don't get that. I've never understood that no. idea of marketing, if I'm honest. But, no, it's uh, just, yeah, I don't, I, I don't get, I, you know, I never, I, why give away the best part? I'm a firm believer in the Roger Coleman, um, uh, theory. Don't show your monster until the end. Well, it, it certainly worked for, um, for a number of films, didn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, this is, you know, I don't think you get much bigger films than this. You no, know, think about the and, time of when it was released. And, you know, yes, we had multiplexes and those type of things. But we didn't have, you know, there was no internet, really, so to speak of. Um, you know, we didn't, you know, in terms of, like, the advertising for this, it was television, what you saw in the cinema when you saw something previously, radio, um, yeah. Barry Norman. <laughs> and you know and that was it and I, you know and it, it it captures you doesn't it straight away I, I tell you what this film this this probably bolstered this film more than anything the promotion was pretty much the logo and Arnie sitting on a bike with a gun in his hand yeah yeah well we'll look at no. that you know, look at that poster yeah and no T1000 nope all that, all the promo was Arnie on the back of that bike with a gun in his hand. And I mean, that is pretty much it. This is a film as well, like a lot of Cameron films, which you, you know it does revel in its gun porn. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, it it, it 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 didn't set the template for action films to you know you can have one big action sequence, then a bigger one, a bigger. This this has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many occasions. Um, it's a template that still goes, goes on um, at this moment in time with um, blockbusters. The two that stand out to me action-wise, you know, on a big, big scale. I'm not talking about action, small action, yeah. combat films, but big scale action. Arguably the two biggest of the last few years, Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. And the latest Mission Impossible film. And even the one before it. I, mm. I mean, you know, they give you situation after situation after situation and you're literally there going, holy shit. Yeah. Can I, can, can I endure any much more? I mean, yeah. um, if we, if we're talking, say, close quarter films, um, perhaps you'd be looking at, um, the Bourne films. I mean, the first Bourne film is good. Yeah. Yeah. Second Bourne film is fantastic. The third one fucking is action. Close combat action cinema is brilliant. The Raid. The Raid, the raid film, two, yeah. 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 You know, you want that close action, you know, action sequences. Phenomenal. But I'm talking big scale action here. Yeah. We can all, we can all say, oh, you know, the, you've got Fast and the Furious 28 and you've got this and, and Submarine. No, 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 no. I'm talking action sequences are getting bigger better and more, the stakes being higher and higher yeah. they really really I are I mean you look at that sort of you know like I said we go back to that that, that scene where it starts with him carrying the, wind, the you know the sawn off Winchester r- rifle with mm-hmm. you know with the guns and the roses through yeah. the, uh, through through the shopping mall <laughs> and then it's like not there yeah, like not you know you get that and then you get the motorbike chase with the juggernaut yeah. Yeah. You then get, you know, you get the, you know, the, the hospital break, yes. which is great, which is a great scene. And actually, in terms of like the action in that film, it's probably one of the simplest technically, but it's so tense. Well, 
it's all it is is an escape from a car park ultimately, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the yeah. hospital. Yeah. And you know, it and this is this is where you get your action sequence, you quiet a bit, and then your action sequence, and then a quiet bit. But the thing is, it's all it's all there for the story. It's all there to move the story along. Yeah. And especially when you look at how the the set the, the set pieces get bigger, and then they get bigger. And I mean that that, that the, the one with the motorbike and the and the, the lorry just to begin with is oh, is just in, it's it's just in yeah. It's frenetic, isn't it? You yeah. know, it, it, it's just keeping going and going and going and it just gets, oh my God, you know, and it is ultimately, you know, when it does finally end, it's like, right, it's, it, we've got to take you now to the next bit. And, you know, it's, it's just phenomenal. But then even the, you think about that juggernaut sequence going through LA now, right? Yeah, I yeah, am, yeah. I haven't been to LA, but just looking at the sheer volume of traffic within LA and trying to even begin to yeah. negate the, the filming of that and how it's remarkable. And, it's it, you truly- know, and, you know, you look at the sort of, you know, this isn't, and again, you know, we talk, you know, the helicopter that flies under the bridge at the end yeah. of this film. That, you know, I was, and, you know, there I was, buildings are. Yeah, yeah, I was you know, going to come to that because you think of the sequence before that in Cyberdyne, in the Cyberdyne systems, right? Yeah. It's incredible. It's mass, it's absolutely, that's probably, the, that probably might be the biggest action sequence of all, just that sequence, yeah, even yeah. before the helicopter, because ultimately you got it, it's the helicopter chasing a van. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Yeah, a little doggy van. van. Yeah. <laughs> this is the vehicle's maximum speed. Shall I get out and run? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and this is what I mean. You know, it's it gets it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But I I I just think, and this is something I I would t- I would turn T to in one as one word. If, if I was asked to give one word review, I'd say muscular because every action sequence is yeah. bigger. Better. It's, it's Cameron. It's Cameron flexing his action muscle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's Cameron when he was still a proper filmmaker before Dances with Smurfs. <sighs> Got to get yeah, it in there. Got I it. was waiting. It, it was inevitable. It was, it was inevitable. It was inevitable. <laughs> Come back to us, Jim. Come back to us. Right. Seeing as you brought this up now, right? <laughs> At this point, Cameron's two for two. We won't count Piranha 2. <laughs> two for two with action sequels. With, with, with sequels. Yes, he is. You could argue, I don't know what your preference, I, I think I know what your preference is, but I prefer Aliens to Alien. i got to be honest with you, um, it's, I love, I think you can't, I think they're two very, very different films. I think Absolutely. Alien Absolutely. Is, is, a, is a haunted house in space. Mm. It's very much the haunted house in space. I think Aliens is a action, science fiction, survival horror film. Yes. And I don't think you can, yes, they have the same character, you know, it has the same character in it, and it's the follow-through story for her, but they are two very, very different films. Yes. And I think you need to judge them separately. In the same way, I think people should judge Alien 3 separately from Alien 2 and Alien 1. Because again, you've got three different filmmakers all put in their very unique, you essentially got three auteurs who have made those films. Yeah. But then you could argue, the same argument could be made to T1 to T2. The aforementioned, the first one's a horror film. Yeah. 
and the second one is pure action, you know, um, with greater stakes, I suppose. Yeah. But um, this leads into Dances with Smurfs, as you so eloquently put it, or Fern Gully 3. Um, <laughs> the quest for more money. Yeah. You know, does this bode well for Avatar? Um, oh, to give its correct um, title, The Way of Water. Now, sounds like an Enya album. <laughs> I hope it doesn't fucking sound like an Enya album. <laughs> hey, we had Enya played at our wedding, uh, you know, from Lord of the Rings. That was, you know, that was a great, you know, every time I hear um, May It Be, that, you know, brings it here, you know, you start choking up. But um, Orinoco Flow, not quite. No, I never got sounds it. Sounds like a womble on a period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Yes, we've we, we've sunk to the look. We're both no, ill. No, 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 don't. I'm don't highly medicated. This wee shit. Hey, yeah. <laughs> None of this wee shit. <laughs> um, talking about wedding songs, I had two first dances. God in goes by the Beach Boys. Yeah. Um, which my mate got great delight in saying, <laughs> you had the film, you had it from Love Actually, which no, I didn't. Uh-huh. We no longer speak. And, um, <laughs> because you killed was, him at your wedding. <laughs> and the other one was, um, uh, Maps by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And if you don't know that song, go out and seek it and you can thank me later. Do you know what I was, Ross? <sighs> I don't know if I want to know now. Special Brew. Bad manners. <laughs> oh, well, this is another. This is another one we could do now. Songs <laughs> our friends. The songs our friends got married to. Yeah. One of my mates got married to. Um, hopelessly devoted to you for Greece, like, and he's the last person you <laughs> ever, ever expect. Genuinely. Oh genuinely. God. Oh wow. Yeah. And my one, my one of my very, 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 very best friends. I said, so what's the first dance going to be then? And he went, Flying Without Wings by Westlife. Wow. Yeah, that was wow. my response. And because I'm, because I'm a bit of a music snob, he said, I don't fucking care what you think. <laughs> and I said, and I said, yes, well, your wife always has had terrible taste in music, hasn't she? So there we are. Like to see what's in his CD collection. <sighs> Honest oh, to God. Wow. Wow. Anyway. Anyway, back to guns. No. And roses. And roses, yes. Now, this is also a film that has some incredible headshots in it. The number of times that the T1, you know, um, Patrick, <laughs> Patrick, uh, Robert Patrick's character gets shot in the face in spectacular ways. My favourite scene of the, you know, in the whole sort of get, getting shot in the head is where he jumps onto the helicopter, Arnold, mm. and sticks the gun through the window and just blasts him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, you know, and then you get the famous sort of, um, where he gets hit with a pipe and split in half. Yeah. And then he just puts yeah. him, or the, or the bit where the, do, the elevator lifts up, the other, the, 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 they open up and he goes bang! Yeah. And then the head just closes up. Oh, it's just straight down the middle. Yeah. I mean, it's, <coughs> it is, you know, the other sort of, you know, great moment in this is the SWAT team. Yeah. With, the, you know, 
poor naive bastards in their yeah. fair blitz. Well, and, and you know, and he, after John Connor has told him he can't kill anyone, he goes, "Okay." So he just walks out and shoots every single one of them in the knees, kneecaps them all. And and it's the way that they are limping out of there. It's just, and I mean, that scene itself, from the lighting to. I mean, the whole maze I've seen about that, about that scene is Cameron. It's that, mm. that cold, like again, we go back, blue steel look to it. It has that sort of, you know, very, very, you know, it's lit. Um, the shadow of, you know, in there and the sort of the steel of sky, you know, the, the metallic look of sky, um, of, uh, Cyberdyne. All of those moments in it is just, you know, it's a great, great scene. It's, it's magnificent to look at. Mm. It's it's the classic um, laboratory almost, isn't it? Albeit without white coats per se, but yes, you know everything is clean and everything is clinical, you know, and it's very scientific. It's very you know scientific, and this yeah. is happening, and you know, and, and perhaps in, in even now, I suppose looking back, it, as I said to you earlier, it doesn't hasn't really dated that much. Is no, it? no, not at all. Even looking even looking back to that scene, yes, there's. People working on computers, and yes, they're not doing Skype, they're not doing FaceTime, you know, they're not playing on their mobile phones. But you still know that this is a modern film. Um, and, and what was this film's, what, 20, 28 years old? No, 27 years yeah, old. 27 years you know, old. You know, which is truly, truly terrifying when you think it's 30 years old. Oh, God. The fuck? <laughs> but then, but then, then, not to go off kilter slightly because we don't do such things. No, no, no. I happened to be speaking to somebody I know when we were talking about various things, and he's telling me he's going to Florida soon, and um, they booked to go twice next year. They go in next November for the opening of the Star Wars park with yeah, 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 Falcon yeah, and yeah, right yeah. We were just chatting and all the rest. And I said, "You realise that this is going to be fifty before we know it." Oh, it's oh. forty. It's forty-one now. Jesus! Now that that hit home more than probably anything in pop culture reference. I thought, oh my god! Wow! And sort of think, yeah, yeah. It's and less. I, than, it's less than ten years away. Wow. Yeah, now that is that yeah. is that is something, isn't it? <laughs> Did you hear the brakes coming on then, scre- screeching <laughs> as we hit this podcast? Now, speaking of a bit of a blast from the past, who's the SWAT team leader in this? Yeah, who's the SWAT team leader? And essentially, he looks the same now as he did in this. I honestly can't recall. It is from Breaking Bad, Dean Norris. Shit, this really? Yeah, it's the, he is the SWAT team leader. I don't think I've ever noticed that. Yeah, he looks exactly the same. Just slight. He's chubby, um, but he is the SWAT team leader in this. Uh, uh, wow! I on- where he, they, they all run over, and you've got um, you know, you know what? You know, Miles Dyson is holding the detonator. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, they look yeah. down and it's like, oh, fuck, he's dead. Out, 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 out. Yeah. Well, he's the SWAT team leader. Well, there's another Arnie connection in Total Recall there, isn't there? Yeah. 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 
So, yeah, it's, it's a matter, it, you know, there's so many, and again, this is a film, um, this is another film where twins play a huge part in this film. Yeah. Linda Hamilton's yeah. twin sister appears in this in two different segments. Yes. One does, yeah. as Linda in the, um, as, uh, Sarah Connor in the, in, from the original one in her, uh, waitress outfit where they all get nuked. And then as evil Sarah Connor where the, um, the T-1000 is just sort of, um, is, is, is mimicking her and they come yeah. down the corner right at the end. Again, that's such a brilliantly lit shot with all the sparks coming down and it's just yeah. and the sweaty long, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. good because uh, what I like is the, the reaction when it's like, um, the real Sarah Connor shoots her from behind his name. Yeah. Right? And the the, the 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 turn around it is the Robert, what I would call Robert Patrick mode, isn't it? You know? Yeah. The, the, the head slightly tilted, the eyes looking and staring yeah. and flinching. You know? And it, it it it's just those little nuances in each little parts, isn't it? You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It sort of gives everything the whole. It's just, it's magic. It is magic. That 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 final sequence from starting from. The helicopter pursuit and the, you know, the, 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 the astonishing flying under the bridge, you know, to get that one pilot with the testicles big enough <laughs> to do it, you know, and then, you know, the crashing in, uh, crashing into ultimately the back of the vehicle, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and then yeah. the, the tank, uh, and it just, you know, the steel mill just erupting and the, 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 the absolutely bone crunching fight. And I know it's, I know it's sound effects and I know it's stunt doubles and it's prosthetic, but it just works. It does oh, yeah, work. Yeah, completely, completely. And I mean, again, and I, you know, it, uh, people say, oh, you know, Arnold and his cheesy one liners, but the line that I absolutely love in this is where he's, you know, he, he's so, he gets absolutely annihilated, doesn't he, by the newer model. Mm. In this, and yet, you know, the, he gets the, um, gets the spike driven through him. He gets battered with the, you know, he, essentially you think he's dead. Yeah. And then he sort of, you know, he comes, he's on the conveyor belt where he's got the, um, where he's got the grenade launcher at the end. And he comes over the grenade, oh, and he, you know, he blasts him, he blows him to pieces and then they push him into, they get him into the, um, into the, like the, the molten, the molten metal. Um, and then he's lying there all battered. And then as he's getting up, you hear him say, I need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that lends itself to the story though, doesn't it? It lends into the film, you know, to add a little bit of humanity into his system, isn't it? You know, to sort of adapt and et cetera. But it does work. It, it could have been, it could have, I can see how that might not have worked as well, you know, because sometimes Arnie's quips, can fall flat, or they did used to fall flat somewhat, isn't it? Nobody, nobody doubts his comic timing. Nobody, nobody doubts his comic timing. I think we brought it up, and um, funny enough, my first podcast where we did Predator, we we, ve- we mentioned the very same thing. If not on that one, the total yeah. recall one where we did, you know, yeah. all all those moons ago, you know, <laughs> that um, Arnie is um, is a very very good comic actor he might not have made the best comic films but you know hey he's what are you trying to say, what are you trying to say about junior junior's fucking shit oh, oh, oh. I, don't, I don't know if you ever knew this story but um arnie apparently has a collection of what he considers his 10 best films oh don't say junior's in there and i i I'm, twins is definitely in there right yeah yeah 
And I think I'm right in saying that Junior is in there as well. Oh, Arnold. And look, Arnie has made classic, classic films. He has made classic films. Hercules in New York? <laughs> obsessed with it. <laughs> You're obsessed with Hercules in New York. It's terrible. No, um, he's, he's even named Arnold Strong in it because nobody could pronounce Schwarzenegger <laughs> at the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's he has a, a collection of the, the ten films he considers his best films. And I... Well, there we are then. I, we've, I think we've said it before. This and Predator are Arnie's best film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I think in terms of his overall canon, I think this is you know, it, it, it can it's interchangeable. But you no, know, these are it, it is. This is him at his power at the peak of his power. Yeah, yeah. And truth be told, to choose between Predator and this is is really difficult. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because they told they are, as much as they're both action films. They, they, they both, they both, they, 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 the very, very best of action films. They really, really are. Yeah. And, you know, they're both very similar in theme as well. Science fiction, um, horror to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, special effects, action, you know, where, whereas Predator is a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not intimate because you've got a, certainly more masculine. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, testosterone driven. Yes, this you know they they both have a similar ilk, and they just they they both. It, if you're going to show action films, these are going to be two of. Even if you said the top ten action films of all time, you'd be probably going. Yeah, you definitely need to watch Predator, and you definitely need to watch Terminator. Yeah, yeah, I think after, so. I think know. so. Yeah, or vice versa, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I think they are completely interchangeable. <clears throat> I think you can in terms of sort of where you would put them on a list. I don't think you would sort of you know as long as they're in your top ten somewhere and near <laughs> and near the top. I think you could probably sort of you know I think you could probably get away with that. I think you could probably argue the top two should be number one. I know when Bear Magazine recently did a, a, a ranking of Arnie's films, they, yeah. they, and they did like a top ten, mm. and and there wasn't a one and a two. These the, those two films came joint first because yeah. they, nobody could sort of separate the two, which I, I completely agree with. Because, so I take it Killing Gunther wasn't in there then. Killing Gunther wasn't no yeah. no. Um, I spent a lot of time going, oh Arnold, watching that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it propped up on Netflix, and I just didn't have the courage to sort of. No, start no, it. no, 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 no. I didn't start it because I knew I, w- I wouldn't end up finishing it. So you know, yeah. it's one of those, isn't yeah, it? But it um, is. now <coughs> we've talked obviously a lot about Arnold because I mean, it's, but Linda Hamilton's performance in this um, is you know is a really really good. Perf- she she goes. You think about her in the first one. Mm. as this sort of completely overwhelmed um, waitress with horrific 80s hair. She was the classic damsel in distress, wasn't she? Yes, to then pretty much go into a, you know, go into the flip side of it and becoming a gun-wielding psychotic um, in this one. And that scene where she goes to kill Miles Dyson is it's a brilliant brilliant performance brilliant moment um mm. you know and the the fact that she just has this complete meltdown but she 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 goes from 
angry, determined, upset, um, raging person, doesn't he? That her anger ultimately prevents her from taking the necess- the action that she sees as necessary, isn't it? You know? Yeah, completely. And you know, she it's it's such a contrast because you can see that the moment she's driving off, everything is is nothing behind me. There's nothing around me. My focus is solely yeah going to, to Dyson household, yeah. isn't it? You know, to um, you know to prevent what she sees as the start of Skynet. Um, but it, it's remarkable, as you say, even even when she's in the hospital and you know she's being showed a video interview yeah. of the last time she was assessed. Um, by her doctor, and you know, the, you know, and she's quite on that video. She's quite Billy plausible, yeah, is the right yeah, word, isn't it? Yeah, know, very much so in an argument. And she's, you know, and you know, she's been shown it, and she's been asked to reflect on it, and you know, I suppose from if you think about it from a, um, a, a psychiatrist's point of view, it's, she's probably a fascinating subject, isn't she? Yeah, well, it's that idea of you know somebody but totally believing in their psychosis. Yeah, yeah, and you know, ultimately, she's right. Everybody yeah. else is wrong. Right? Yeah. but you know, to, to see the parallels, you know, two in one, isn't it? Because you've got yeah, her yeah. watching herself having this breakdown, and she's quite stoic and reserved, and she, yes, yeah, she does have a burst of aggression, doesn't she? Yeah, you know? and you know, and, and she's also victim to that horrible sequence where her face oh, is licked, licky, licky by, face, man. Oh, by, uh, that's just. It's just gross, isn't it? It really, really is. And uh, you're almost then, when when she's ultimately planning her escape, isn't it? You're rooting for her, you know, to break the guy's leg or, you know, smash him about the face (laughs) with a trench. And and the fact that that is down to her, and if, and and it's, I don't know whether it's a relevant thing or not, but her physicality is just, she's sinew and solid muscle, isn't she? Well, she looks, she, you know, and I mean, she trained, um, in, um, you know, it, with weapons and lock picking, and she trained in judo and Krav Maga, and she yeah, yeah. she just just physically transformed herself for it. And yeah. you know, she yeah. had a really, really you know, a diet was like abs- ridiculously strict. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in very much you know, it's people talk about Arnold's transformation, but actually, when you look at Linda Hamilton's transformation physically from the first one to this one, is it is remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. And, and, and don't you find um, it's quite a brave choice, I think, um, especially from a female perspective. Um, she's chosen to make herself look hardened, yeah, the, whereas, she, she, and, and lose yeah. femininity. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not trying to sound sexist or anything, but you know, um, she does. She's lost the femininity that she had from there's the first softness, one. There's that softness that's that's gone, and yeah, I think in, and in some way, like, and in some ways, it's this. It, it sort of it's that idea, isn't it, of her own. Um, mental state is where she is she is sort of left her you know the old sarah connor is essentially dead and what Mm -hmm. you have now is somebody who is you know her job is to make sure that she keeps her son alive no matter what and there's that scene isn't it where he thinks that you know you know um, john connor thinks she's hugging him but she's actually checking him for bullet holes that's right yeah in the back of the police car which is yeah which is quite a sort of it's quite a hard scene to kind of look at because you've got this kid who is desperate, yeah. desperate to sort of make, you know, to some kind of normal relationship with his mother. And then you get, you know, she's yeah. just, essentially she's just checking to make sure he hasn't got any holes in him. 
it's um, clinical. It's extremely clinical, yeah. isn't it? And you know, affection is out the window. It's the just the ensuring that it's all. It's almost like the protector role that Arnie ultimately has towards him, isn't it? But she's yeah. also there yeah, as yeah, a partner yeah, yeah. as well, you know. And parenting doesn't really come into it, does it? But um, no, it's um, it's a truly, truly remarkable, remarkable turnaround. Um, and I th- again, that's that's purely down to Cameron, isn't it? Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, doing doing for what he did for Arnie, he probably he, he, he had to do the same for Linda Hamilton, doesn't he? You yeah, know, because yeah. and the, the way in which Sarah Connor's path is laid out, um, again. Unfortunately, we have to mention certain sequels, you know, with the, the impending when she's obviously back. We don't know what uh, is going to be done in what yeah. capacity. My biggest fear is that they don't go down that there's an evil Sarah Connor, you know. Yeah. And all the rest. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what we haven't brought up, and the main reason I haven't brought it up is because I never watched any of it, was the TV show. The Sarah Connor the- Chronicles. Yeah. I never watched it. Never watched it. No, from what I understand though, it wasn't a bad program per se. It was, it was pretty good. You know, television probably had a limited budget in what it could do. Mm. Um, however, it probably gave it a little bit more scope to sort of fill in gaps, I would have thought, between films or, or, or whatnot. But I, I, I never, I've never seen it. And it's, you know, it's, um, uh, Lena Hagley was it? Yes. Yeah. 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 From Game of Thrones. Yeah. And weirdly, Shirley Manson, the lead singer of Garbage, was in one series as well. Was she? Player. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure if she was, like a, two, a T-1000 or something like that. Jesus. Which is, you know, I, I've never seen it, so I can't comment. I no, really, really can't. No, so. no, no. But, um, no, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a remark, as you say, it's a truly, truly remarkable, um, character. Rock, isn't it? Yeah, so, and, it, and I mean, I, particularly when you look at Linda Hamilton's career as well. Um, mm. Of course, she you know she did the first Terminator, then she was in Beauty and the Beast, the TV series with Ron Perlman. Yeah, um, of course, yeah. She yeah, was yeah. in uh, Children of the Corn in the first one, um, mm. and then obviously used and, and again she plays very very sympathetic, um, likable, lovable characters. Whereas, yeah. you know, in the second one, there's not an awful, even though you root for Sarah Connor, because actually she, she comes across as a very tragic character. Yeah. Um, actually, there's not an awful lot to kind of like about her. Well, no, because I think she's probably done that to herself, hasn't she? So, um, yeah. You know, to give herself distance so she can look out for herself and look out for her son, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's just the character arc. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's remarkable, really. Yeah, it now, is remarkable. On the lighter side of it, what's the game that John Connor's playing in the arcade? Uh, which one? Um, not, not, he's not in Afterburner. What was <laughs> the other one? Um, is it? Uh, I know the name. Of it. I know it. Galactica. No, and it's got a, it. Had, didn't have, it had a it had a rollerball instead yeah. of um, it's Missile Command. Missile Command. Missile Command. Yes. I was Galactica's. Yeah, it's a bit like Space Invaders. Yeah, I think Galactica was one of the other um, arcade machines there, you know. So. I was so shit at Missile Command. I was, I could never get a hand of it. I could Strate- never. I just couldn't strategy do. games don't appeal to me. No. I'm, all, I'm all about first-person shooters myself, personally, and, and flying and driving and, shit. And, and of course, crash. Afterburner. Uh, it's still, I think this. I like I said. I think we well, last time we recorded, there is still an Afterburner machine kicking about in Swansea somewhere. 
I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't because I had a bit of a surprise earlier this year. Gwen Swansea and the LC2. No, not the LC2. The, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Parked away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they basically opened it out. So where there was an arcade and everything, everything is now open. Right. So the arcade is gone. But yeah, they had an afterburner machine. I actually played um, that one of those afterburner, the big one that he Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I went on holiday as a kid to, to uh, Lanzarote, Tenerife or something, and there was this arcade, and they literally had this gigantic thing you strapped yourself into, and literally did almost 360 yeah. spin and whatnot. <laughs> you know, wiped out your pocket money within 30 seconds. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, arcades, man, I miss arcades. Oh, I really and miss like, arcades. Did you ever play the Terminator 2 game? I was about to bring it up. I was about to bring up the Terminator 2 arcade game. Just an amazing it, game. It was basically it was Operation Wolf with the Terminator, wasn't it? Yes, I love Operation Wolf. <laughs> I even looked recently about how much it would cost to buy an Operation Wolf arcade machine or the cabinet, like yeah, and three hundred quid. Um, a bit more than that because there's not many kicking about. Really, a, a prop, a genuine ones. They're sort of like people ones that people have built now. Yeah. But there are not actually any real genuine ones still kicking about, really. You know, I always, I was, I always dreamt of having a Street Fighter Two one, a proper Street Fighter Two cabinet, six buttons, two player. Nice, nice, nice. I got one of those. Um, oh, well, you know that we've got like eight billion games on them, and they're like all Mega Drive and SNES games. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. one of those like um, what they call them, like generator type things. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it's got Street Fighter 2 on that and that's really cool that is pretty cool but it's not the same though it's not the same and I had street, I had Street Fighter 2 on a console and I even had the 6 button nice and everything and it just wasn't the same I, I don't know whether it's the social interaction with it is um, you know putting your, putting your 50 pence down to play you know when it stays on type thing like, yeah you know. yeah yeah I mean, but then, again, I think this, that all of this ties in nicely with this period of time, doesn't it? In that arcade games were, you know, going to an arcade was a huge part. And the fact that you get to see this in this film does add to its sort of, its nostalgic flavour, doesn't it, really? Yes, it, I would completely agree there. I really, really would. I really would, because um, I love video games. I still play video games to this day, I'm not going to lie, so... Well, I've got my fingers crossed, because I'm hoping that... Uh, Santa brings me a PS4 for Christmas with uh, with Skyrim because I'm slightly obsessed with that. Um, I I've wanted a PS4 for the last well since it was released basically, but um, I haven't had one. My son asked for an Xbox One and got one straight away. Ah, um, which is which is <laughs> you know fine and dandy, but. Um, I want a PS4 just to play The Last of Us. So I do, to be honest oh, with you. I know, I know. And the Friday, well, also the Friday the 13th game. My son asked for that and he was told in no uncertain terms. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and speaking of my son, he's desperate to listen to this. Yes, we were, uh, look, I, I, listen, this will be out ASAP. Um, <laughs> I, it will I be out. I have genuinely been asked by more than three or four people yeah. when it's coming out. And there we are. Yes. <laughs> now, we I have mean, an audience. We have an audience. We, we do. It's quite frightening. No matter yeah. how much profanity I spew, they stick with us. <laughs> <laughs> or possibly because of that. Now, yeah, yeah. here's the other thing as well. that you know, This, this, this film can be seen um, 
uh, you know, when you look at it, you can look at it straight as a, as a great big action film. Um, however, I mentioned it at the beginning, and I, I, I come back to it, is the fact that the scene of the nuclear holocaust is just so terrifying, and that dream sequence is so yeah. real. Um, and the way in which that it's all, you know, she's screaming as the, like the flames are sort of shooting over the top of her is just, it's absolutely, it's unreal. And the sort of, the fact that large chunks of this, or that scene were done using miniatures. Yeah. And I think that's more down to, um, the craft, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, miniatures, are almost a little bit of a dying breed, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that a lot of filmmakers are still use miniatures and use them very effectively. However, with the advent of CGI, it is almost easier, isn't it, to... Yeah, oh, um, yeah. ...to, you know, just spunk your, your budget on CGI to talk oh, completely, about it. Completely. Um, there are filmmakers who are sort of going back to practical effects and tactility and we've mentioned it numerous times over however um miniatures are such an effective tool oh yeah completely in, and what especially I, with the, especially with action sequences isn't it yeah you, you and i mean the you, what they did with this they took over um like a forward um basically like they had a, a cityscape it was like a large scale miniature cityscape mm. um, that they did it and they sort of had like the four like main areas of Los Angeles that you know the famous areas mm. and then what they did was they studied um, oh what's the guy? Uh, Robert and Dennis uh, Skotak or Forward Production did it um, and what they had was like they, they, t- they studied an actual nuclear blasts and then they recreated those nuclear blasts using air mortars yeah. Um, and it's so effective. It's so effective. And you see that, you know, when you see like the flame just p- blowing its way through and like everybody just being incinerated, it is just terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. And it's that, and it's that sort of fear then that you get that propels this movie, isn't it? And sort of gives you a glimpse into sort of Linda, Linda Hamilton yeah. sort of into her mind and where she's at, you know, it's just, it's yeah. it's incredible. It's incredible. It's it, it's startling. I think because nuclear reaction has been shown on film, hasn't it? Um, albeit a big puff of cloud, um, yeah. you know, an, an aging um, action hero um, jumping in a fridge and then being greeted by a gopher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, people on Mars with a ex- nuclear explosion ex- stripping their clothes off, you know, yeah. in a really kink- kinky, weird way. Yes. Um, you know, I, it has been shown, but I, but I don't think devastation had been shown. I mean, the closest thing to it is, and I've said this before, I don't, I don't, we'll co- we will cover it, I think, on the podcast at some point, is the film Threads. Um, which, that's more the that's more the aftermath. I'm on about the actual. Oh no! It, it shows the yeah. You have the scene of the explosion as well, and you have yeah. that. that every, yeah. And I mean, and it's shot. Obviously, it's done for TV, so it's on a smaller scale. Yeah. So we've been, you know, best part of nearly an hour and a half now. Have we missed anything about this one? Um, I think we need to um address. We made, we've passed it. We've mentioned it in passing, fleetingly. I think we need to address the 
what ultimately would dictate special effects for the next decade, two yeah, decades, yeah. is the is the introduction of uh, CGI being introduced in a couple of films previously, most notably The Abyss, yeah. um, Will, Willow, yeah, um, and um, Young Sherlock Holmes. The introduction of CGI in small sequences. This this took CGI to the next level. Oh, that, I, yeah, incre- yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, I mean, and you know, it's the it's the normal protagonist, Stan Winston, Dennis Muren, um, ILM. You know, yeah. um, they, they they basically yeah, and it all stems from idea and whatnot. But it literally did um, push the technology that much further. You know, we, we've, we've all read about James Cameron waiting for technology to catch up them to allow him to make Avatar. Stanley Kubrick could never make um, AI because the technology wasn't there. No, no. Um, you know, and yes, it does give the um, filmmakers the tools to um, to make the vision ultimately. But simply, the long and the short of it is, is that the, the, the genius is that, you know, basically pushed that technology out there and got it on the screen. Um, were pushed on by James Cameron, but ultimately they they were the ones responsible yeah, for yeah. setting the benchmark for the next 10 years, perhaps. I mean, off the top of my head, yeah, you've got Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was another level, almost. Yeah, completely, completely, yeah. To the end of the decade where you had... And a flip side to that is you had a film that was so reliant on CGI, you didn't even realise it was CGI a lot of time. No, no. With something like Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is heavily CGI influenced, you know. And we're talking about a black comedy, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about, you know, a 300 million action film. You're no. talking about a, a, a really dark, horrible little film. Yes. You know, that, is, that isn't about people beating each other up. It's about a fucking whole lot more, right? What? But there's, Fight there's Club? A, oh. There's depth. There's more depth than just people punching each other than Fight Club. <laughs> oh, but I fucking loves Fight Club. See, I, 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 me and my buddies, right? What we do is we get a couple of fucking ciders down us, then we go over Tesco's car park and we slam fuck out of each other. But we don't talk about it because the first rule about Fight Club is you get fucking drunk and then you do Fight Club <laughs> and film it and put it on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but David Fincher didn't expect that when he released. <laughs> no, no. And apologies to all the stereotypical Welsh people that we may be talking about. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just starting that, 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 it's, you take that one moment, don't you, in yes. a, a film that sort of just gives yeah. that kernel to everybody else who go, I can make that film now. Yes, I can do this now. Completely, completely. Um, You know, rightly or wrongly, those films may get made and they may be at the tosh, for example, The Phantom Menace. (laughs) But in those, sometimes in those films, they have very, very good moments surrounded by at the tosh. Yes. We can give countless examples of them. But then the other side of the coin is, using a different example again, you get a film like True Lies. Yeah. Which is... A fucking great film. It is this, a great this, film. It is a great, this, great film. It really, really, and it's it's still not out on Blu-ray yet either. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that, isn't it? Oh yeah, and it's it's a it's a such a good. It's just fun. It's such good fun. 
hugely questionable politically, probably in the current climate now. But uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's a hugely enjoyable film, action film, and, and again, Arnie and James Cameron, yeah. you know, checking everything at the screen. It's great, yeah. fun. and you know, special effects in there. Yes, they are over the top. Yes, they are subtle, but ultimately, it's used for storytelling purposes. Yeah, yeah. But you know. It, it's 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 a great great film, but special effects though you know you do get those benchmark films don't you Eddie every few years yeah and I mean the production on the I mean this film ran for 171 days of shooting yeah 170 I mean what's interesting is you can actually see Edward Furlong age <laughs> as the film he does because he does age and his voice changes. There's points where in the film where his voice changes and he does you know he, 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 you see him growing up. Yeah. The action, you know, industrial lights, uh, like the magic, the computer department, um, essentially had to grow to do, to accommodate this film. And it went from something like six artists to 36 people, um, mm-hmm. all to work to bring like the T-1000 to life. Um, mm-hmm. and it cost them something, it cost just, just the loan for that was 5.5 million. And it took eight months to do. Guess how long he's on screen for in that guy's? It's not long. Is, is it 30 seconds or something it's, like that? In the total film, if you put all the effects together, all the CJ effect shots, it is three and a half minutes. I, I thought you meant, but just the full silver no, guys. I no, didn't mean no, 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 no. All, all of the little CGI stuff for three and a half minutes was five and a half a million dollars. And 36, it's 36 people working, um, essentially, Around the clock for eight months. That that's uh, well, there are then to sort of step that on further. Then you go from thirty-six people to do one man, and then yeah. you look at when production started on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and Weta set up the massive. I don't know if you want to hear the yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The computer program that basically yes. could make armies with thousands and thousands of yeah, thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to build that themselves, like, you know, and they had, say, 30, 30 or 40 animators working on hundreds of thousands of little pixels. It's insane. Now, it's, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? And that, if you think about it, right? Uh, Terminator 2 was 1991. Yeah. They started, they started production on Lord of the Rings in late 98? 99? Probably, I would, uh, 99? I, I think it might have been late, idea, simply because the film came out in 2000. And in order yeah. for those special effects to be done, that would probably, time-wise, would probably factor in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are 10 years then, in the space of 10 years, 36 people for four, three and a half minutes to, say, 40 people for hundreds of thousands. It's incredible, isn't it? It, it, that, it, it is mind, you know, when you do the math... It is incredible, isn't it? When you sort of, uh, when you do, when you put it all together like that. And I mean, almost, it's... almost as incredible as an American <laughs> Gotta do the math. <laughs> uh, just, any American listeners again? Cause he was determined to upset everyone. <laughs> I'm not well. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, the, I mean, the, the production scale on this film is immense. And the fact that, you know, not only do you, I mean, it's very, very clear to see every penny is up on the screen. 
Um, and you get, there's no wastage, is there? I mean, no. it, it, this film's runtime is, I think it's, uh, it's 137 minutes. However, it's really interesting. Um, um, Anthony Price, uh, was mess- messaged me on Facebook about this and he's got this on like Laserdisc. I did see on the, um, on the, uh, on our Facebook site. Yeah. The, the runtimes on yeah. this are incredible. The, the difference in run times on there is just my... I think there's one version where it's 154 minutes. Well, we, I, I, it's, it's, the old, it's the old adage of which is the preferred cut, isn't it? Um, yes. Like, I, 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 we, I think you and I have spoken about which version of Aliens do we prefer. Yeah. No, I, per, I personally prefer the director's cut, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, and I go with that. I go with that. It gives a bit more... A bit yeah. more back. It gives a bit more to it. Yeah, um, I know that there's some versions of um, some films the directors kept are uh, bloated. You know, they are just basically putting scenes in for the sake of putting scenes in. I, yes. I think that I think the directors cut this is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I don't find this. I don't think it's bloated. I, th- I actually think the introduction of Kyle Reese, Michael Bien, yeah. uh, the original character, and John Connor's father ultimately is um, is quite welcome because it actually gives some pathos and. Uh, even more sympathy than to Sarah Connor as the sto- for, for story wise. Um, yeah, you know, she she was clearly deeply in love with him despite the very short period that, that we were together. Yeah, um, and you know, it it does serve the purpose of the story. Oh, and it moves it on, and it moves the yeah, story on yeah. really, really and, well. But the other side of me can see why that was jettisoned and why that wasn't included. But uh, ultimately, I, I, you know, I've always fascinated, it, and it goes back to. Um, when we did the Dune episode, isn't it? How many versions was it? Three, three versions, three yeah, four versions. The that nobody, version that was... nobody will own up to. <laughs> <laughs> well, the original version and Sting original, was shit. Sting remained shit. Um, <laughs> you know, the original version that uh, Lynch showed um, uh, Frank Herbert. Yeah, was three hours long, wasn't it? Yes. But by the time it got to the cinema, it was just under two hours. Yeah. There was the TV version that was over two hours. Yeah. And then there was another version that came out that was 142 minutes. I mean, that's just nuts. You either have a definitive vision or not at all, don't yeah. you? So Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think there are some films that are, I think, get improved by the director's cut. I think, um, I think I like, you know, I like the Wild Bunch director's cut. I think that is a much better cut. It's a much, mm. much better cut. Um, mm. Once Upon a Time in America is another one that works much better for... I mean, you need about five days to watch it. Well, it's four hours, isn't it? Yeah. Four hours, ten yeah. minutes, something yeah. like... The Kingdom of Heaven um, uh, director's cut is very, very, very good. Very, very good. And makes more sense. Um, Apocalypse Now, the redo. Um, I think that is... I, no, I, I don't like that version, see? I no. I didn't know. I didn't like it. And it's, um, I think Apocalypse Now as it was is, is the ideal version. I, I can see why it was done and I can see why it was done. And I, I, I do tend to understand why they're done. But then you fall on the, the, the major downside to all of this is then when you end up with two different versions of the same film being yeah. made by the, um, by this, by two different directors. For example, what was that? Exorcist Dominion. Oh. 
One one was done by Paul Schrader and the other was done by Rennie fucking Harley. <laughs> Rennie the fucking Viking, yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wait, how does that even compute, doesn't it? Have you seen them both? Fuck no. Oh, no honestly, fucking way. No it's, fucking it, way. it is incredible. I mean, in some ways it's fascinating to look at the two, uh, to look at them because you can... There is there is the argument in filmmaking about you, you, the film is made in the in the cut in the edit. You can put it all together mm. in the edit. Um, yeah. um, I think The Exorcist um, Dominion or, or whatever. You know, yeah, it's is a way that you can actually murder a film twice with two different edits. Of, mm. and, and neither of them work because, it, because again, everything is against it. Um, but a good example, a really, really good example of um, a director's cut being really good is Touch of Evil. Um, Orson Welles, Welles yeah. from 1958. It's his cut. And, re, it's, it's, uh, and if you get a chance, you can find it online. Is his 58-page memo to the studio explaining why his version of the film. It's It's amazing. It is amazing. It is a much better, it's incredible to watch. But then, you know, I do think sometimes when you look at like the Lord of the Rings stuff, I, oh, it, the, the extended stuff, it does make it a bum number, doesn't it? It does make it, it a real it does. bum number. It does. I, I gotta be honest, I'm a big fan of the, the extended editions, and I am a big fan. I've said it before. I, to me, they're my preferred versions of them. Yes. It does mean that Return of the King has 15 endings instead of 12. Um, <laughs> it doesn't change the impact in any way, shape, form. But what I do think is that it shows the level of commitment that's gone into that filmmaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. As highlighted by the making of, again, I've brought up previously. But I, I, I do think, um, well, Cameron has done a few director's cuts, isn't he? Uh, the Abyss. Did, um, the Abyss, Aliens, Aliens um, this. Yeah. Um, um, I, I don't think there's a, t- a Titanic director's cut, if I'm honest. I but, think in all uh, versions of it, um, it does sink. Yeah, yeah, there's no change in the end. No, even it, in no. the Catherine Zeta-Jones made-for-television version, um, it does sink. <laughs> Even, I, uh, oh, that is. Have you seen that? Not in a month for Sundays. Wow! Wow! <laughs> that was made the same time as they yeah. were making the film, and as essentially well, they? they got the same story. Okay, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. It's, it's amazing, man. Amazing. Fair play to but, Catherine um, Jones, my dear. Fair play to her. She's. You, you can clearly see on her face throughout the thing. She's thinking they've lied to me. I'm on the wrong set. I'm on the wrong set. Uh, I'm on the wrong one. Shit! (laughs) (laughs) And you can just imagine her in a good old-fashioned, you know, Welsh accent, mumbles way. She gets back to her trailer and goes, Bastard! Bollocks! (laughs) Shit! (laughs) 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 But it is... it's funny, isn't it, with director's cut? I mean, it, it, you know, there's rumours about certain versions of certain films, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I've, I've always wondered whether whether it's studio pressure, whether it's. I think know, sometimes the, it can be. I think in, in I a th- lot of cases, yeah. it's studio and pressure. It, 
And the thing is, I think if, if films are passion projects and films are really difficult to get made, you want your definitive version and you want that out and you want yeah, people yeah, to yeah, see yeah. what your story was. To try and sell that is is fucking nightmarish, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, it, it, I, I just wonder whether, you know, this this will be a thing. I th- and it probably will be a thing we'll probably see forever and ever. Because i got to be honest, I, I can't recall whether I've ever... And Elton well, as an example, Tarantino. I can't think I've ever seen a, a director's cut of any of his his, his films. If I'm no, no, um, no. I don't think there is. To be perfectly honest, and I mean, I, I think it goes back to like again mentioned in Orson Welles is you know it, it, it sort of says on the you know films are not sort of or was it Hitchcock? I think it was a Hitchcock or Welles where it said films are not finished; they're merely abandoned. Mm. Well, uh, Welles was pro- had his fingers properly burned, didn't he, with the Magnificent Andersons? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, studio. I mean, Butchered what he'd submitted, didn't they? They, they? they cut like forty minutes or something daft like that out. Yeah, and I mean, you, you know, know, I'm just paraphrasing, but you know, they really did shaft him, didn't they? Properly shaft him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. I, and that was something that um, happened throughout his career. Um, they sort of, you know, uh, and again, you know, uh, it, it does that sort of thing, doesn't it? Where they sort of, you know, the studios think that they know better, and executives think they know better, and they mm-hmm. go in and they take bits out, and they, you know, it, it's. You know, and I, the other, my other favourite one is where they say about sort of, you know, and uh, films are not released, they escape. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think Battlefield Earth certainly falls into that one. Oh, God, let us, we don't know, we, we did our time with that too. We've got we to go back and find another one though at some point. We've got to go and find, find something that defies Battlefield Earth for being as awful. I can think of one. Okay. Let's talk off there. We'll talk, talk off air. Okay. We'll talk off air. We won't get people excited because otherwise you could end up having to do it. So... <laughs> <laughs> right. Summing this bad boy up. Um, this is, you know, this is an epic film on yeah. so many, and it, and it, it isn't a film that age, has aged with the exception of that ginger kid's mullet. I think it's, um, you know, I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's aged very, very well. Um, yeah, and we've gone the entire episode. We've just barely mentioning Guns and Roses. I'm sure if people yeah. stick around to the end of the podcast, they may hear something. Also, also, we need to mention the shot of the T1000 flying the helicopter, shooting a gun, and ha- and using his third arm as well at the same yes. time. Yeah, uh, it's only there for three seconds on screen but it's still one of the coolest fucking shots you'll see in a film yeah it's a, it's a fucking terminator with three arms flying a helicopter shooting again fucking brilliant <laughs> so only, phys- only physical constraints have ever stopped john Woo from shooting that exactly sequence. exactly so what's your score 10 out of 10 uh for me this is a 10 out of 10 unarguable unquestionable Yes. Classic. Five stars. Give it what you want. A plus. Yes. It's it's a masterpiece. It's is it James Cameron's best film? Yes. Mm. That I sir is so. a conversation for another one. But I do yes. think it's it's definitely up there. It's definitely yeah. up there. As br- as brilliant as Aliens is, I think this is him really going right. You want to see something cool? Watch this. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, I totally agree with you on this. And sir, we've made it through. We will. I will. 
Have we? Have we? I, I believe so. I will be immediately checking every inch of this after we finished recording, and I will be getting this out as soon as I humanly possibly can. Um, and that is episode 50. 50 episodes! So this is officially, officially episode This is officially 50. episode, because obviously I released a, a bonus episode of my interview with Andrew Jones. Yes. Um, as a bonus episode. Um, but this is officially episode 50. Wow. It's almost like, it's almost like we have an audience and people listen to this shit. I know. It is, it's quite scary, actually. It's and fucking terrifying. Particularly, <laughs> particularly as this one's been built in. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. My good friend, as always, thank you for being on and coming back. Take you know, care, man. yeah, I will speak to you soon. Have a good one. Ta-da, Ta-da. As always, I want to say a big thank you to Mr. Leighton Winston. Thank you, man, for coming back. Really, really appreciate it. Now, before we dive into what the Wookiee watched, I want to quickly just plug something, okay? I'm going to be shooting a short film over the summer uh, called School Hall Slaughter. We've got a great cast in place. We've got a great crew all ready to go, but we need your help to hit our fundraising target, okay? To make sure that we get the most out of our budget, that we're able to make sure that our equipment is... As good as it can be, our effects can be as good as it can be, and obviously, you know, we want, you know, we've got overheads that we've got to meet to fulfill this project. Now, we have a GoFundMe campaign. You can find that on. You can find the link to this in the show notes. Um, you can find us on our production page on Facebook. So you can, once you go on there, we'll be able to see some of the trailers that we're going to be putting up. You can see some of the artwork. You get to meet the cast. Um, there's all sorts going on there. However, I got a couple of thank yous to say uh, for a couple of people who've donated recently. Um, of course, I want to say a big thank you to Ruth Muirhead. Thank you again for another donation. I really, really appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. And of course... Big Die Hill, thank you, my brother. I really, really appreciate it. It's a, it's a, you know, honestly, guys, every little helps. And to everybody who's donated so far, thank you so much. Um, this is such a personal project for me. Um, I can't wait to share it with you guys. I know the cast and the crew are raring to go, um, and but we need your help to make sure that we can make this the best project that we possibly can. This is an 80s-inspired slasher. It's got an amazing um, synthwave soundtrack that I'm loving at the moment. I'm loving listening to it. Um, you know... Wayne and uh, Anthony, who are also going to be working on the film as well, are working tirelessly on this. So honestly, thank you guys. I really, really uh, appreciate all your help and all your efforts. But don't forget, go over to our GoFundMe page. Have a dig down the back of the settee. If you find a bit of loose change on there, please help us out. Every little helps. Okay, now it's time for What the Wookiee Watched. Okay, and up first we have got Disney's. The Black Hole from 1979. Let's check out the trailer. There is an inexorable force in the cosmos where time and space converge. A place beyond man's vision, but not his reach. It is the most mysterious and awesome point in the universe. Where the here and now may be forever. On my ship, you ask. It is unavoidable. Moving through space, 
swallowing everything in its path. Radio waves, light. Are you programmed to speak? Even planets and stars. headed straight for the black hole. What'll we do? We wait. Awesome trailer. I forgot how good that trailer is. It's so sinister. Of course, this is a Disney film. Now, this is one that obviously harkens back to what people refer to as the dark ages for Disney or the dark phase where things weren't going as well uh, for the House of Mouse, particularly with their live action features. Um, however, the black hole for me from 1979 is it. I love it. I think it's a really, really underrated. Is it perfect? No, but I think it's really, really underrated. It's essentially a story of um, a research vessel. They find a missing ship um, commanded by a mysterious scientist. And it's just sat there on the edge of a black hole. Um, It was directed by Gary Nelson. It was written by Jeb Rosebrook. It starred Maximilian Schell. Uh, Great. You know, this has got an incredible cast. It's got Maximilian Schell. Anthony Perkins. Yes, the Anthony Perkins. Robert Forster. Robert Forster's an amazing character actor. Um, uh, Joseph Bottoms. Uh, Yvette uh, Mimou. I think that's the way you say it. Ernest Borgnine, people. Ernest fucking Borgnine. You can't go wrong with that. Um, this is a great, great... And it's got two of my favourite actors delivering voiceovers, um, which were uncredited. Uh, you've got Roddy McDowell. 
um, as Vincent. And you've got the legendary, legendary Slim Pickens. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, there's something about Slim Pickens' voice. Um, you, you just got to love him, who plays Bob. Uh, these two little floating robots who are, you know, are really quite cool. This has got some great action in it. It's got some very, very dark moments. It's particularly, you know, it, and it's got some fairly brutal violence in this. Um, and of course, you get the the big sinister, big red robot Maximilian. Um, great film. Really, 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 really enjoyed. It's not perfect. Some of the effects are dated, um, and there are plot holes in this one um, that are the size of a black hole. But if you can ignore them, there's a lot of fun to be had in this. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this film. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. That's The Black Hole from 1979. Okay, up next we have got Oblivion from 2013. Let's check out the trailer. The last Super Bowl was played right here. Jason, tell me it was a classic. Classic game. 80,000 people on their feet. Seconds left on the clock. So Hubie throws a Hail Mary. Touchdown! 166, back online. 60 years ago, Earth was attacked. We won the war, but they destroyed half the planet. Everyone's been evacuated. Nothing human remains. We're here for drone repair. With a mop-up crew. This is Jack Harper. I'm good to go. Two more weeks, Jack. Then we can finally leave and join the others. Don't take any chances. Okay, that was the trailer for Oblivion from 2013. Oblivion was directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Uh, it was written by Carl Kajeskek. I think that's how you pronounce it. I do apologize, sir. Uh, Michael Arndt. And, of course, it was based on the graphic novel by Joseph uh, Kaczynski. Uh, of course, it starred Tom Cruise. 
Morgan Freeman, Andrea Riseborough, uh, Roseborough, Riseborough, Riseborough. I'll go with Riseborough. Olga Kurlinko. Um, this is a story of um, a veteran who's assigned to extract Earth's remaining resources, and he begins to question uh, what he knows about his mission and himself, and starts questioning who are really the good guys and who are the bad guys. Um, I kind of missed this one upon its initial release. Um, it kind of had mixed reviews, um, but there is, it's quite a sort of, it's okay. It's, it's, there is sort of, I don't know, it's got an interesting premise if it's a little bit ham fisted. Um, it's got decent performances from a supporting cast who have very little to do. Um, you know, this is very much the vehicle for Tom Cruise who delivers a solid performance. Um, However, there's nothing in this that he hasn't done before. Um, visually, it ticks the boxes. It's got a nice post-apocalyptic world to look at. Um, but something is missing from it, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, it's got a lead actor who is capable of um, basically pulling off this material in his sleep. Uh, you've got a group of you know, supporting actors, including an Oscar winner. Um, you know, in Morgan Freeman, but he he just essentially stands around um, looking wise. Um, visually, it's got some arresting moments, but it's all been done before. Um, and I was kind of it, it, it kind of lacked something. It lacked a little bit of a bit of soul, I think. Um, I think it like yeah, it def I think that's the best way to describe it. It lacked soul. Um, however, it's worth a look. I would give this a seven out of ten. Okay, up next we have got Alien Nation from 1988. Let's check out the trailer. The newcomers have arrived. They have their own customs, their own mysteries. Slag town, I hate this place. And their own crimes. My fellow newcomers will work very hard to make as much money as they can to give to me. Sykes, here's your new partner. My true name is Stangia Sorensa. Ah, Sorensa, well, Gesundheit. Now, James Kahn. So what do you got? This will stop anything. And Mandy Patinkin are headed deep into newcomer territories. Get the ass, look. Your mother mates out of season. Into the heart of a mystery. Inside an alien world of violence. Desire. Tell me the truth. Have you ever made it with one of us? <laughs> and power. A sweet indulgence from our past, resurrected for our future. It is called Jabluka. Your people do not know about this part of our past. Beyond their darkest fears. He's dead. No, he's not. <laughs> Lies an evil beyond imagination. <laughs> Okay, that was the trailer from 1988, Alien Nation. Now, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. Alien Nation, I think, is a much, much forgotten and underrated film. Yes, the television spin-off was not great, but it was entertaining. However, this is... Um, it's it's almost sort of overlooked and forgotten about. Um, I know that there's a remake um, due soon. We'll you know we'll see about that. But 
this, I think this, you know, this is such a forgotten film. It's got a great cast. Um, it stars, uh, it was directed, sorry, by Graham Baker. It was written by Rockney S. O'Bannon. And it starred uh, James Kahn, Mandy Potenkin, uh, Terrace Stamp, Kevin Major Howard, uh, Leslie Beavis, Peter Jason, Conrad Dunn, Jeff Kober, um, you know, Roger Aaron Brown. It's a really, you know, Brian Thompson uh, pops up. Um, this is a really, really good film. And it follows the story of um, a alien civilization that were bred to be slaves, crash lands on Earth, and they are then slowly integrated into the human society. And it follows their struggles and the sort of... I suppose in so many ways, um, at its heart, this film is a not-so-subtle metaphor for the underlying racial tensions that are sadly very, very much a part of American society and society in general. Um, And I think this film is sort of needs to be looked at again particularly from um from today's perspective because it holds up very well i think james khan and uh mandy potenkin do a really really decent job um as uh, as a, as the sort of the buddy cop movie um without it falling into too much of a love story um it's a great it's a great great film and i think it's much much underrated and everybody should go and see it terence stamp is brilliant in this as the villain um there are some great gags in this it's got some great gags um James Khan's delivery of his lines um, in this are brilliant. Uh, Mandy Potemkin is so perfect at his delivery uh, with w- without any sense of irony. It's it's a great great film. So what would I give this one? I'm going to give Alienation a eight out of ten, and I say it's a must see science fiction film. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, our time has drawn to an end on episode fifty. Can you believe that? Episode 50. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, you know, on the very, very first episode, um, and after that was, I'm absolutely humbled um, by all your messages, your tweets, um, people who like the show. I apologise this is late coming out, but uh, sometimes the internet gods, and in this case my dog's bowels as well, have sort of got in the way. But, you know, myself, Leighton, um, to everybody who's involved in the show, we have such a good time recording these and, and, and getting to spend time with each other and talk. And it's I love how that you guys appreciate that as well, and you hear that coming across. And I want to say thank you so much to everybody Um who has listened, who has been part of the show and will continue to listen and will be part of the show. Um, so thank you so much for making the first 50 episodes so much fun. Um, and that's all that is left for me on this episode to say in the immortal words of Count Dracula. Good night out there, whatever you are.
This is Al from Cadavercast. You've been listening to Thunder Wookie. The back.